Pacers running, got you taken care of, putting you in the right pair of shoes to get you going here in the year 2023. We know some of you have already kind of left the bandwagon on your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> well, you can get back in there. All you have to do is go out to PacersRunning.com. They'll put you, give you a virtual fitting in the right pair of shoes to get you back on track. Speaking of back on track, Washington hired Eric Bieniemy as their new offensive coordinator nationally loved as far as a coordinator maybe not nationally loved as coming to washington but fans tend to be pretty happy pretty positive about it and one of those people who's been breaking down exactly what you should expect from an uh, from an eric bianami offense is friend of the channel mark bullock here who is making his first appearance on the channel, a round of applause. I know I have an applause button. You here. Your there applause. we go. There we go. There's the applause button. <laughs> Mark, we appreciate it. We know it is a little late there for you, uh, but we appreciate you joining us here on Ref the District so much. So we're going to give you the big screen here. Oh, yeah. Um, now, Mark has a sub stack that I just for some reason clicked off of. So I'm going to bring that back <laughs> so that way I can get there. Mark, you used to be with the athletic post sports, you used to. I, I remember you all the way back in the day from the Hogs Haven, uh, even before you were doing full-time content for them, and you yep. were just kind of commenting. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on. You're one of our favorites when it comes to yeah. uh, to content here. So let me go ahead and put in there, uh, show the show the the sub stack here. Make sure you go out here and subscribe to it because he, he has some great content. I know you're going to bring bring the heat for us today. Mark, what do you think about EB coming to Washington? Um, well, I think the the general consensus seems to be, well, I say that, the general consensus seems to be kind of split. Like, a lot of people seem to be, like, really excited and thinking this is the best guy they could have gotten. And a lot of people are kind of a bit down, like, well, why has this guy not gotten a head coaching job? And if there, there must be something up with him. Um, from my perspective, I kind of think there's there's a little risk involved, but with the situation that this team's in, with you know, a new owner possibly coming in soon um, and, and Ron Rivera probably entering into a, a lame duck year. It, it's kind of a, a no-lose situation. Either he comes in and he's great and then you've got a fantastic offensive coordinator or he comes in and he, he struggles or they're mediocre and there's a they, they clean house anyway. So um, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's really too much upside. And I think he, pro uh, sorry, too much downside. And I think he, he probably offered well, he definitely offers by far the most upside of any of the guys that they they talk to. Absolutely. Well, looks like my two friends here are are just dumbfounded. <laughs> I'm just to have you on. I didn't you realize order. it's like two o'clock in the morning for this guy. He's the one who has the right to be sleepy here, Stoner and Trav. All right, uh, Trav, you got, got one got now. One. Mark, for those who don't know, outside of the general, he's won two Super Bowls. He coached Pat Mahomes. Who is Washington getting in Eric Bieniemy as offense coordinator and total control of the offense this season? Yeah, so they're they're getting there. I mean, there is some question about that because obviously the main reason he hasn't got a job is people think that Andy Reid runs the show over there, and it's all Andy Reid and it's all Patrick Mahomes, and and like they, those guys obviously play a big role in the success the Chiefs have had. But everyone very much openly talks about how m much of a role that Bienemy plays, and and he might not necessarily call the plays. Um, he he probably more relays the plays as Andy Reid calls them, and then Bienemy is the guy that's actually in Mahomes' headset, making, and he's the guy that's saying this is what the play call is. And um, but Bienemy works hand in hand with Reid, um, and they they come, create game plans together, and and they. I think the strength of the Chiefs offense, when you kind of tear it back and you see um, that, you know, there's obviously the greatness that is Mahomes and the stuff that you can do off script and Travis Kelsey's fantastic. When you actually break it down to the actual scheme and the fundamentals of the system, the reason it's so successful isn't because they have these amazing schemes that nobody has any way to defend. It's because they understand what the defense is looking to do, um, it, how a defense plays certain looks to sort of manipulate what kind of coverages they're going to get. And then they run plays that are going to beat those coverages that they're expecting to get. And that comes down to detailed game planning. And from all accounts, the enemy has a huge, huge role in that. So 
Um, that alone, if he can transfer that kind of structure to Washington, even if he's not this kind of magic play caller that sets things up perfectly every time that Andy Reid kind of is, like, even if he's not that, if he's providing that structure of we know on second and six we're going to get quarters coverage from this defense, you run a quarters coverage beater, and more often than not, you're going to be successful doing that. So um, that's the kind of thing that I think makes this offense or makes the Chiefs offense successful, and that's the kind of thing that I think can translate to Washington. Mark, let's get down to a little bit of X's and O's uh, if we can, um, and which is a which is out of my comfort zone. These guys will tell you I'm a sniff test kind of guy, right? If I look at something, I'm like, did that work? Cool. Do that again. You know, I don't usually right. get to it. But you specifically have converted me to uh, an X's or to pay attention, uh, pay more attention to X's and O's because I go to your stuff, to your Substack all the time to check out uh, what you have to say. And in your most recent post, you were talking about how his offense can, uh, can really help Terry McLaurin. And Terry McLaurin, you know, as we know, doesn't really need a whole lot of help because he's already a top 10 to 12 receiver. What can they do schematically to help Terry McLaurin become an even better receiver? So I I think one of the kind of big criticisms that we kind of all threw at Scott Turner last year was he didn't, there was long stretches of games where Terry McLaurin wasn't getting targeted. Mm. And I do understand from what Scott Turner's system and his perspective would be is that Terry McLaurin draws so much attention. If he sends Terry McLaurin on a go route or a deep post, he's more than likely going to be doubled or at least having a safety kind of cheat his way. Um, And if you have that, that can open up huge spaces of the field for other receivers. And we saw that at the start of the season when they had a bit of success early on, like John Dotson and Curtis Samuel were getting tons of targets because teams were just rotating their coverage towards McLaurin and they would, you know, they'd double him and take him out, but it would open everything else up for the other two. So that was kind of Turner's philosophy was we can use McLaurin as a decoy and kind of waste their coverage structure of we're doubling up McLaurin and that opens up things for everyone else. Now, what I think the enemy is going to do, the the kind of the West Coast offense system that that Andy Reid has always run and and that the enemy has been in for the last 10 years um, is more predicated on sort of shorter to intermediate passes. Um, so that's going to be using a lot more quick game stuff. And, and Terry McLaurin, as we, we've seen, he like on a simple slant, he very rarely doesn't get open. Um, and that, that can be a, a quick five-yard pass that he can then turn into a, a 10 or 15-yard gain or even more after the catch. So um, those kind of quick game passes are, are something that I think they will look to use more of with McLaurin to to kind of increase his volume. Um, and then that will force defenses to pay even more attention to him. And then you can use him as that kind of decoy option, but you don't necessarily have to send him deep to open things up underneath. Hmm. Um, one of the examples I showed in that article you mentioned was um, Tyreek Hill back in 2021. They, they sent him in motion into this kind of bunch set, and then he ran a speed out, just a, a five to seven yard speed out. And he got two defenders both jumping down towards him, and that vacated a big space down down the sideline. And another receiver ran a deep corner out behind it, and there was nobody there to guard it. So um, I, I think you can use McLaurin's ability underneath to kind of draw defenders up and create space down the field for, for other players like Dotson and Samuel and, and whoever. Um, so I, I think that's the kind of way that the enemy is probably going to go about it with McLaurin. Now, one, one of the other things you brought up in, in, in your sub stack was kind of the, the screen game. It seemed like Washington the last few years under Scott Turner had been awful Terrible. at screen screen passes. Didn't matter if it was, it was Taylor Heineke with the lollipop arm or Carson Wentz with his inaccuracy in the short games. They just couldn't get the screen game going. That's one of Kansas City's kind of bread and butter. Do you think Eric Bieniemy is going to help solve the problems that we've had in the screen game? Yeah, well, part of the problem with the screen game is is having the offensive lineman that can get out in front that are athletic enough to get out and, and block in, sp- in space. And, and that's easier said than done. Um, when they had like Brandon Sheriff here, he was very, very good at that. Um, and then 
once obviously Brandon Sheriff leaves, then you you replace him with um, Trey Turner or Andrew Norwell at guard. Those guys just aren't as athletic, um, so it's a lot harder for them to kind of fake or secure their block inside and then get out in front of a of a running back or or whoever to to set up blocks down the field. But the other part is setting up the screen. Um, and that's the thing that I think the enemy will be able to do better than what they have done in the last few years. Um, because he, as I mentioned, he's kind of extremely detailed um, where he will understand what defenses look to do um, in whatever situation. He'll know that if he puts two tight ends on the field, that's going to cause a certain look from a defense. If he uses three tight ends, that's another different look. If he uses all receivers, it's a, it's a different look that the defense will use. And so he will manipulate defenses into looks that he, he wants that are favorable. Um, and then he will use motions and shifts and all sorts to give kind of misdirections and, and make the defense worried about certain things. And in, in the article, I think you referenced about the screen game, the one of the examples I used where the, the Chiefs used um, two tight ends, or my, no, it was three tight ends. Travis Kelsey lined up in the slot. And when you have three tight ends on the field, the defense responds with um, a run-heavy defense. Uh, and when once Travis Kelsey moves into the slot, a linebacker has to go out and cover him. And instantly that linebacker is thinking, oh, crap, I'm covering Travis Kelsey. Um, I need to worry about coverage. And the safeties are thinking the same thing. Uh, and everyone else is thinking that. So the defense is naturally more kind of thinking, okay, I need to, if this isn't a run instantly, I need to get back and drop back and, and stay on the top of everything. And so when when you kind of present that look to them, they're instantly thinking, all right, I need to get back and get on top of everything. And that gives buys the offensive line time to set up the screen pass. Um, and then on that play, they because the defense is all dropping back and trying to stay on top of everything, that set up that screen pass. They got two or three offensive linemen out in front of the running back. Um, they hit one or two blocks, and suddenly the back had 10 or 15 yards before it even been touched. So... Um, it's those little details that make screen games work, um, and, and those little details seem to be what BME is very, very good at. To piggyback off that, I kind of have a two-part question. Sure. Um, maybe a three. So you said um, Andy pretty much called the plays, BME relayed them to Pat Mahomes' helmet. The ring around the rosy plays, the tight end coming in motion lining up, lining up on the center, was that more BME or Andy Reid? And if so, we're going to see that more in our offense as well. Those kind of trickery, special flashy plays. And also, do we have a tight end on the roster right now that be- can become our Travis Kelsey? Or do you think we're going to go a different route? Like, like is it going to be a Chiefs 2.0 in Washington or not? That's pretty much the question. Well, I, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a Chiefs 2.0 um, because it's very, very hard to replicate what they have. Like, Obviously, they have Patrick Mahomes, who's... Right on 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 track to go down as one of the best quarterbacks ever. Um, Travis Kelsey is also on track to go back as, go down as one of the best tight ends ever. So that that's pretty hard to replicate. And and Washington has a different set of players. Uh, they mm-hmm. they have I, I would say they have better receivers than what the Chiefs had the last few years. Um, obviously Tyreek Hill is elite and elite, but he wasn't there last year and. If you put up their receivers against Washington's top three this year, then you, you'd probably take Washington. So um, I, I think he will have to adjust. So it's not going to be quite so leaning on the tight end um, unless you know they they go and sign a free agent or they draft someone. Um, but they they he he can adjust. There's a lot of things they can do to um, adjust what they did to Kelsey and and, and open things up for the receivers instead. Um, to go to your point about the tight end position, um, I, I, I don't necessarily think they have, well, they certainly don't have a Travis Kelsey on the roster and, and, right. and that's, that's no shame on anyone really, because mm. uh, there's, there's maybe two teams in the league that have a Travis Kelsey. Um, so, um, I, the, I, I quite liked what Cole Turner offered when, when I watched him after the draft. Um, and obviously he, he struggled with injuries and, and didn't really see the field. Um, I thought Armani Rogers showed some nice athletic ability. Um, John Bates, I think, is a decent blocker that is improving. Um, I don't think he'll ever be much as a receiver. Um, I think he's always going to be kind of a second or third string tight end that that you bring in on kind of two tight end, three tight end sets as a as a reliable blocker. Um, but he's never going to be your your tight end one. Um, so I, I think they have room for 
adding someone there. Um, and I think in this style of offense, if and I haven't done anything on kind of draft prospects yet, so I don't know if this kind of guy yeah. is in the draft, but if there is a well-rounded tight end that can offer you enough as a blocker and a good receiving option as well, um, then I would not be against a kind of first round tight end that can, because that adds a hell of a lot to the offense. But um, I, as I say, I have no idea if that kind of guy is there. So, um, but if, if they are, then then that'd be a, a route they could go down to kind of add more to the offense. Um, but I don't think it's necessary. They, they, they could, they could say, well, we like what Cole Turner offers as a receiver. We'll develop him as a blocker. We, we like what Bates offers as a blocker. We'll, we'll keep him as kind of the second guy. And then, We'll kind of see what how Rogers develops and 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 how he can do with his athletic ability. Because um, we saw a few times last year he he yeah. took a, a few plays where he suddenly it looked like it was going to be nothing, and suddenly it was ten or fifteen yards. So mm-hmm. um, there's something there. Um, how much it can turn into a reliable playmaker, I don't know, but there's something there to to work with. So um, I don't think the the barrel is completely empty, but um, certainly I think they could, if they wanted to, they could kind of top it up. I, I could talk to you for hours about this stuff, Mark. So we really appreciate you coming on here. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay. You can design all kinds of uh, matchup problems for the defense and all kinds of routes and have these great receivers and, and get this tight, develop Rodgers as a, as a pass threat and a blocker. You can do all that, but it's never going to be successful unless you have a quarterback. Is not is can Sam. Uh, I don't even remember his name now. Howell. Can Howell, yeah, you do. Stop it. <laughs> can Howell at least start to become that guy for Washington's offense? Not Mahomes. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Can he be QB one successfully in this offense? Uh, I I think he can be. I think he has the skill set to be, and I think that. Um, the enemy certainly from the t- sort of 10 years being under Andy Reid should have the experience to know how to mold and adapt his offense to fit what, what Sam Howell can do well. Um, and I, for me, the kind of the comparison would be almost what Jalen Hurts has been doing with, with Philadelphia and, and the Eagles kind of stumbled into it almost by accident. They, they obviously, they draft him in the second round with, with an intent to develop him, but, once they traded Wentz and they said we were going to roll with him, it was kind of a not too sim- dissimilar to what Washington's situation this year, where it's like, well, we'll see what he does, and if he's good, then great. If he's bad, then we'll get a higher pick next year. Um, and about halfway through the year, they kind of realized actually we can we can build this offense around this guy. He's got good mobility. We can we can lean into that. Um, and with the run game and the offensive line that they already had in Philly, you add a, a running quarterback into that. Um, and that makes the run game really hard to defend. And then you build off that with play actions and RPOs and the screen game. And suddenly the quarterback, you know, he's not having to do the traditional drop pack passing in more than five or 10 times a game. Um, and, and so that kind of allowed Hertz to be productive and then the offense to be productive while he kind of developed those, those drop back passing abilities. And now we're what, 18 months on, two years on, and he's developed really well as a dropback passer because of the mm-hmm. success that they've had without having to do it and and the time that he's been given to learn those those abilities. And, and now he's, you know, he was probably the best player in the Super Bowl just now. So um, that's not to say Sam Howell in two years is going to be a Super Bowl quarterback, but um, I, I see a lot of similarities in what Howell can bring um, to what Hurts can bring. And I think if you follow that same kind of development path with how, where you lean a lot into um, his ability to run um, his quick release and, and the RPO stuff that you can do with him um, and their receivers that they have that can pick up yards after the catch on those RPOs, um, then you can build out an offense from that kind of foundation and you can limit how much he actually has to do just as a pure drop back passer. And then that buys him time to develop um, and, Hopefully, over the course of the season, you'd see a kind of noticeable development from where he is now to where he is at the end of the year. 
There's a, there's a few comments here in the comment section that I definitely want to get your input on. And the EP has this question here. Uh, what do you think Eric Bieniemy's main focus will be this year on this Washington offense? We all know he can't fix everything overnight. Thanks, EP, for the question. I, I would think the main thing he wants to fix, well, I, I'm assuming that there is kind of agreement that Sam Howell is going to be their guy. And obviously that was kind of the story we've been hearing from Rivera. Um, I, I don't know if he would have had to have agreed to something else to, to land the enemy or not. I don't know, but um, I'm, I'm working on the assumption that Howell is going to be their guy for the year. Um, and if that's the case, then it, it's going to be basically plowing resources into the offensive line um, as much as they possibly can. And I think, I think they have some pieces there. Um, they need to figure out exactly what, what they think Sam Cosme is. Do they think he's a right tackle? Do they think he's a right guard? Um, I think Charles Leno is a serviceable left tackle and a serviceable left tackle is far better than what people assume that to mean. Um, and, you know, he, Leno's a guy where, yes, he does have weaknesses, but you know what those weaknesses are and you can rely on him to to do the things he's good at consistently and you can scheme around his weaknesses. Um, and, and that is a kind of a valuable asset left tackle. So I, do, I don't think they necessarily need to go right, we have to go and find a left tackle round one straight away um, because Leno is still a reliable player. But if they find a, a left tackle that they love, then you know maybe they draft him and put him at right tackle and kick Cosme into guard. And then in a year or two's time, he, take, he takes over for, for Leno at left tackle. Um, I think they need to figure out what they want to do at center. Um, Chase Rulier, when healthy, I think he... Before he got injured two years ago, I thought he was probably one of the best five, maybe three centers in the league. Um, and then obviously he's had back-to-back -back pretty big injuries. So, um, it kind of remains to be seen how he comes back from those. Um, so you need to kind of figure out where he's at. If, if you think he can get back to what he was, then fantastic. That's one less piece you have to worry about. But, um, I, I think the thing for me is you have to figure out probably right tackle, depending on what you think Sam Cosme is and left guard. Um, and, if you think Sam Cosme is a right tackle, then you need a right guard as well. Um, so that, I, I think they need to invest in the offensive line. They need to find probably at least one tackle, probably a second tackle as a kind of swing tackle. Um, and then you need probably another guard or two. Um, and, and so they, they need to invest pretty heavily in the offensive line if, if the offense is going to have any kind of success. I have one more question that I got out of here because we, we promised you a limited amount of time. But uh, when uh, after, I don't know, when, Martin Mayhew and Ron had that presser and they said two to one run to pass. And then they had all these interviews. Did that philosophy change during the interviews or did they just figure that EB was the best candidate to fit that two to one or was that just smoke? Uh, I, I think the, the two to one run to pass thing was a little bit unrealistic. I, I think that was kind of intended for what that, that single game he was talking about um, because nobody consistently runs two two to one pass or run to pass ratio that that just doesn't happen in the nfl um so that that's unrealistic to expect of any offense um you can be a run first team and i think that's kind of what they they want to be and and most defensive minded head coaches always think i want to be a run first team because if you can run the ball successfully you can control the clock that makes things a lot easier on the defense and a defensive minded head coach is obviously looking out for the defense so um, and there is merit to that, and, and there is plenty of teams that have been successful being a run-first team, like the 49ers are a run-first team. The Rams, when they won the Super Bowl, they're a run-first team. The Ravens with Lamar Jackson have consistently made the playoffs as a run-first team, so you can have success playing that way, way, but it's not just running the ball 45 times right up the gut. Yeah. That, that you, you have to run the ball with a purpose to set things up. And the mm -hmm. reason why the Rams and the 49ers are so good at it is because they set up passing plays. They set up the play action. They set up different kind of screen game stuff. Um, they set up a ton of different stuff from their run game. Um, and they will have layers and layers and layers of different plays where it's, you know, one play, it looks like it's an outside zone. The next play, it's a play action. The next play, it's a bootleg. The next play, it's a screen. And, and it'll all look like the same, but it'll all have layers. So, um that's the kind of philosophy that you, you need to do if you're going to go that way. Um, in terms of Eric Bieniemy, um, I, I don't think he's going to be the kind of run first guy. 
not necessarily to the extent that Rivera would like him to be. And and I think when you look at all the other guys that they kind of talked to, most of them were running back coaches or run Mm -hmm. game coordinator types. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Biennemi has been the offensive coordinator of the kind of best passing offense in the league for the last five years. So you'd imagine, even though Biennemi was obviously a running back and, and started as a running backs coach, he he has seen just how explosive a, a passing game can be. And that doesn't mean that they're going to pass the ball 40, 50 times a game. They can still run the ball 20 times and, and set up play action stuff. And, and, and as I said, with, with the kind of Sam Howell stuff, you can, you can limit it to kind of five to 10 drop back passes a game. Um, but you can also be doing a lot of easier passes, a lot of quick game, a lot of play action RPOs, which are, you know, they're, technically called runs with pass plays tagged onto them and they're just quick hitting passes. So um, I, I think that's kind of going to be more what the enemy wants to do. And um, it, it doesn't necessarily hundred percent fit what Rivera wants, but you know, when, when it's the offensive coordinator of the best offense in the league for the last five years, <laughs> you, you kind of make it work. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate you jumping on here with us, Mark. We know we told you, you know, 15, 20 minutes. We've gone over that, so we appreciate your time. Uh, okay. Of course, this is uh, Mark Bullock here, and you can catch him on his Substack. Make sure you get out there. This is great information. Uh, I shared it here in the comment section. Uh, get out to a Substack. Uh, you know, subscribe to it. Support him. Uh, you know, he's watching from across the pond. Five hours ahead. Someone correct me. You're not six hours ahead right now. You're five <laughs> hours ahead. Uh, but he stayed up late to stay uh, with these three uh, yahoos. Uh, and of course, answering your guys's questions, one of them being a run game one. So I'm glad we were able to get that in before you had to leave. Anything you want to leave us with, Mark, before you probably uh, head to bed yourself? <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I try to live on US time for like the season and kind of up until the draft. And then once the draft's over for the summer in the UK, I, uh, I stay on UK time. So I'm not going to bed yet. But um, uh, no, I, I I think just you, you kind of plug the sub stack. So um I'm, I'm planning on having a, another post similar to the McLaurin one um, on Jahan Dotson either tomorrow or Friday. We'll we'll see how I get around to it, but um, that that's kind of what I've got coming up. Is it, is it one last question? Is it sure. football or soccer? Football. Okay. Well, I'm not going to let that be the last question. My my question as the parting question: who, Who's going to benefit the most from this? Like who who who's going to have those kind of eye popping stats for us Washington fans? Um, well, I, if they can protect him, I think Sam Howell benefits the most because they're adding a, a coordinator that, you know, should in theory understand how to set him up to be successful. Um, and the, the whole offense is, is predicated around, you know, being, uh, knowing, understanding what the defense is going to do and calling the plays that are going to beat those, those, those coverages and, and what have you. Um, and, and, Obviously, every team tries to do that, but nobody does it better than what the Chiefs have been doing. Um, and if you can set up the quarterback for success like that, and and they have always set up Patrick Mahomes for success, like Mahomes can do some amazing things off script, and, and when a play goes wrong or a protection gets beat, Mahomes can scramble around, and, and Travis Kelsey can sort of have a some kind of mind bent with him and, and understand when to just break off his route and be like, oh yeah, Mahomes needs me, I need to break this way, and... and and they can do amazing things off script that you can't replicate, but you can replicate the structure. And a lot of what Mahomes had in Kansas City is he has a lot of free hitters where his first read, as long as he can process the pre-snap information that the offense kind of builds into their to the system where, you know, as I say, with formations and motions and stuff where you're reading what the defense is, is doing pre-snap, you have a pretty good idea of where the open guy is going to be then your first read's going to be open more often than not. Um, and, and that makes things a, a lot easier for a quarterback. As long as you can handle that information pre-snap, the yeah. post-snap process is really easy. So um, uh, in theory, um, if, if the enemy is able to bring that level of um, that level of structure, then uh, how would be the, the guy that would benefit most from it? All right, and if the QB is benefiting the most, everyone else is going to eat as well. Sounds great, Mark. Again, we appreciate you jumping on here with Ref the District. Check Mark out again on his Substack. Shared it a couple times there in the chat, and you can also head out to his Twitter page 
and uh, that's just his name at his name. So Mark Bullock. Am I saying that right? By the way, that's the Bullock. Yeah, yeah, like okay. like Sandra Bullock. Yeah, um, just wanted to make sure that I wasn't like Bullock or anything like that. <laughs> no, like no, 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 same as same Sandra Bullock. Not okay. related, but same as. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Mark, we appreciate you. You have a good rest of your night, and hopefully, we'll get you back on uh, Ref the District sometime before uh, the start of the season. Maybe breaking down some uh, draft picks or something. Sure thing. Sounds good. Appreciate Excellent. you, Mark. Thanks, Thank Mark. you, Mark. Absolute hey. pleasure having him on and hey, kind of tell you something. He knows his stuff, man. He does. Yeah, he he does. absolutely does. Man. So the, uh, there's a. I want to ask you guys that question. Who, who's yeah. going to? Who do you think is going to blow up? We got John saying it's going to be McLaurin. Gus Bus saying Armani Rogers. Whoa, there now saying B Rob. Uh, a lot of that because EB's been that running back coach. So he says yeah. EB has been the running back most of his career. So B Rob is going to have a chance at 1,500 plus yards this season. Whoa, there now. Woo! I'm going to live and say offensive line as a group. Even though we don't know who they are yet. Yeah, or but just as a group. Matsko could be leaving, could get a new coach, but as a group, mm-hmm. I mean, look. I don't know how much of a hand he had in Kansas City, but a Super Bowl. He Mahomes was had a clean jersey, other than getting tackled from a scramble. He and got, that's, that's against the team that you know came in, you know, with a historic record. Saying. And yeah, we haven't had a, a decent offensive line. But enough. if you remember that year, they lost the Super Bowl. Their offensive line was. Yeah, they they, they, they prompted right. them to yeah, go, they still go, right. go out and right. get Orlando. They still Brown. they got to the Super Bowl though. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> but like right. that's what I'm saying. Like, and we've put 30 guys behind center, and they all have not succeeded. One because they're just trash, and two offensive line. We really haven't had a good offensive line to where a quarterback can be comfortable back there and be him rather than go off script all the time or do something that's not in his comfort zone. You know what I mean? So I think. Having Eric Bieniemy there, we might get some OL free agents who want to come play for him, or you know he might draft. You might know who to draft in the when it comes to that position. So yeah. I think some of that also goes with you know the play calling, and we talked about that mm-hmm. um, you know quite a bit over these last mm-hmm. couple seasons. It yeah. wasn't that long ago. Long ago, I mean, granted they had Brandon Sheriff, but this offensive line group was actually one of the top, seen as one of the it's top right. in the league, yes. based on statistics. Mm-hmm. And what I called out, my theory on that was because the play calling meant that mm-hmm. the ball was getting out quickly, so you weren't going to be able to sack the QB. And then something happened last year, partially. You know, they have Carson Wentz uh, back there, who's who's a little bit more of a statue, um, but then. You also are having Taylor Heineke and, come, and, and anybody who's back there taking seven-step drops against yeah. a, a, an offensive line that you know you can't possibly you know, have that problem. Stoner's hearing things. I'm are not sure okay? if that's show-related or if that's no, house-related no. yeah, or what. But he's hearing things. I thought there was something outside or whatever, and it turns out you got a cat underneath me purring. And I was like, what is that noise? Stoner had me worried there that something was going on, or he was doing a bit. I thought he was doing a bit there. Now, one of the things that we didn't get to with Mark, but I think was an interesting thing, I think that Woe There now said, uh, yeah, Woe There now, was Reed was not only calling plays, but he coached the coaches. This will be Eric Bieniemy's mm. first position mm. where he has to coach the coaches. Mm. How much of that do you think is going to be an impact? Because this is that's what's happening right now is Washington is bringing in Eric Bieniemy's guys. They're yeah. they're doing mm-hmm. those interviews. They're they're going mm-hmm. to get uh, some people. I forgot to pull up the tweet. Uh, Greg Lewis, she, uh, Greg Lewis being one mm-hmm. that. You know, these are his guys. These are the first time, though, he's really going to be the guy to coach. I'm pretty sure he's done some of the coaching of the coaching, right? I mean, right. you're not the offense coordinator without having some of that in your your wheelhouse, mm-hmm. your responsibility. But now it's like he doesn't have an Andy Reid over his shoulder who's going to be going in there in that offensive room and, and coaching these coaches. It's going to yeah. be solely him. Where where do you feel, how, Stoner? Where do you feel about that? Do you think that comment has merit, or do you think that he'll be fine? No, I think he'll be fine because he is bringing in a lot of his own guys. And if he doesn't Mm -hmm. bring in his own guys, then he's obviously evaluated those guys and gals, by the way, because as of now, um, Jennifer King is still here as a running backs coach. So he's evaluated them and 
once they get their entire offensive staff together, they're going to be guys that he's selected or guys and gals that he has selected. Whether mm-hmm. they were already here or not, he has decided mm-hmm. that that's who he's going with. So mm-hmm. it's going to be people that he is uh, comfortable coaching. Mm-hmm. I think, I do think we kind of get a little bit too caught up in that whole thing about him being an offensive coordinator who calls the plays, who designs the plays, who who's responsible for this and who's responsible for that. What we know for sure about Eric Bieniemy, he is a leader of men and possibly women, right? Mm-hmm. He can do that job. I'm not worried about that. And especially if you get the right players, he's going to be successful. So I don't worry about him having to uh, do something that he hasn't done before responsibility wise, because those things are, are fairly, uh, they're not a big step. It's not a huge step for him to go mm-hmm. from. I haven't coached directly. I haven't had people, um, uh, reporting directly to me maybe not but i'm still there coaching with them or to them all the time i think that might stuff like that might be a little overblown and i think it'd be fine yeah i agree all right sounds good now uh gus bus says that stoner must have been hearing some howls in the distance what it is now, Sam Howe was a big part of Mark's kind of discussion point with mm-hmm. us. And as far as how, you know, if Eric beating me successful here, it means that Sam Howe is going to be successful. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're still doing their QB1 press your luck. We just talked about Teddy Bridgewater. All of us were out on him. Uh, tomorrow is one a name that people will be very familiar with. Uh, so people have a chance to, to weigh in on that topic as well. Who's that? But, Let's that's no, that's uh, bzzz, you don't want to promote is all, is all you're all you're gonna get from me for that one until the uh the cooldown. <laughs> Sam Howe, if Eric being me successful, mm-hmm. what yeah. would be your season prediction for Sam Howe, Trev? 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions for dag on near 3,000 yards, and we're going to the playoffs. As with, a five or six seed, with those numbers, this team's going to the playoffs. You know, people like to say oh, Washington's not a quarterback away. Yes, well, we are. Essentially, Washington is a quarterback away because you have a lot of the other parts. Now, of course, you need offensive line. That's a huge get, a huge need. They're going to get offensive linemen. Okay, let's not try and act like they're going to go into the season yeah. with the same guys. They are yeah. going to upgrade the offense. <laughs> yes. It all depends on the quarterback. So if he gets those numbers that, that Trev just threw out there, this team is going somewhere. Those Under 3,000 yards, though? 26 yeah, touchdowns is great. The 11 interceptions. Like, I'll take that I'll from like, a guy in his first full year. Yeah. But, yeah, because I'm going by based off Mark Bullock saying we're going to rely maybe on the short game a lot more rather than deep threats. And yeah, our guys can get yak, but I don't expect them to get yak every time they catch the ball every single game, like for 60 yards or 70 yards more. You know what I mean? So like, and I think we have so many weapons. We're going to distribute the ball a lot more rather than just go to Terry, go to Terry, Mm -hmm. go to Terry. Here's Jahan. Go to Terry, go to Terry, go to Terry. Here's Curtis. You know what I mean? So I Mm -hmm. think, you know, it's a lot of screen game, quick game. It's definitely going to be a lot of quick. You know. It's going to be a lot of quick passes, especially – with Sam Howell kind of I mean, everything. Sam Howell's very first touchdown pass was a quick slant to Tamar yeah. across the middle, and he took it to yep. the house. So, like, yep, I think it is going to be amazing what it happens when it's on target. Yeah, and, you know, well, yeah, just under 3,000. That one's pretty interesting to me. John, John is uh, suggesting suggesting 3,200 yards, 15 interceptions, 33 touchdowns. 33, now, John, John, we're going to the chip. I'm sorry. Now, now John is a Chiefs fan, so you might not know this, but Washington hasn't had a QB for throw for 30 yards 30 since touchdowns. Bef- 30 touchdowns rather since before Stoners was born. So like I, it was ages. I don't think they yeah. I don't think they have ever had ever 30. They've had 30. Maybe you're, you're going to make me 30. look it up. Maybe uh, old Sonny had uh, Sonny. 30 or Sammy. Uh, maybe it was Sling and Sammy had I think 30 is their oh. is their record at most. I thought it was 29. But 
<laughs> it's somewhere around there, which That's is insane. 30. 31 stoner, Sonny Jergeson, 1967. Yeah, that, that was barely the one and only. Yeah, so QB to 31. So 30 touchdowns. 33. On, like I said, we're going to the chip. Yeah. <laughs> going to the Super and yeah, the parade we, and we, everything. I want to be ask. doing pretty good. I think this it's very close with this oh, one too wow, with Michael. Yeah, Michael's Michael's given us a, at least the conference right, championship on. with 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns. 67 completion percentage He's we might MVP. die on the channel <laughs> yeah. like as we we do we do play by play i don't know that i'll be an efficient play by play caller if every yeah. other game i'm like every other you know pass i'm like it's a touchdown yeah that's that's an average of two a game that's insane we've never seen that all in right our, well, in our here, lifetime here are our, our opponents stoner give me and nathan give me numbers based on the opponents outside of division numbers what like wins and stats. losses no his stats sam yeah. house oh. Ooh, okay. I don't know based that I can. I don't know that I can do. Based on opponents, by, just like based on who we're playing. Okay. Outside division, we're playing the Dolphins, the Niners, mm. the Bills, mm. the Bears, the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Jets, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Broncos, and the Falcons. Oh, we're going to now the chip. realistically, huh? Oh, yeah, we're going to the chip. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Still, I still my stats are the same because we got. I think yours are very reasonable. I think yours are reasonable. Yeah, what, what, what are would your stats be? We got some yeah. eye popping stats in the comment section right now. But what what are your your, your stats? What do you what do you got? Uh, a reasonable stats season, or successful season? A successful season for Sam Howell. If, if I, EB yeah. successful, like Mark said, then Sam Howell is going to be successful. So what yeah. would be you know first year starter, second year player? Fifth round rookie. Mm-hmm. Give it to him. A lot of people like to say, "Oh, he would have been in the first round," and and but he, wasn't. he was so drafted <laughs> in the fifth. <laughs> right. So what so is a successful season? Say thirty two hundred yards. Okay. Okay, but like twenty three touchdowns. Okay. And 15, fourteen picks Ooh. somewhere around there, and maybe another three running, you know, rushing touchdowns. Okay. Something like that. So somewhere in the mid to upper twenties for total touchdowns, and then you know fifteen to seventeen turnovers if you include fumbles as well. I think that would be. I mean, if he does that, then you know you might want to consider signing him to a long term deal because that would be amazing. Quit for quit. for all those things that you just said about him. You know the first year starter and fifth round and all. I mean, that would be amazing stats. Yeah. Do you sign him? What if we miss the playoffs with those stats? You sign him? One, you guys, why are oh, we I talking would. about signing a second year player? Like we have him for oh, two more Stutter, years. Man, you know? mentioned it. Stutter because that's it. when, because that's when he's the cheapest. Like they could have signed oh, Kirk cousins. Right. Yeah. Remember when Kirk cousins went to them and yeah. said, okay, here sign me for $18 million a year. And then he had the, you like that game? And then they said, mm-hmm. "Okay, we'll sign you for eighteen million a year." And he says, "No, no, 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 no. That price just I went way up. If you, you like see that? the potential in him, then you sign you him sign early right so that you don't well, have to pay him." going to sign him right now. I saw potential million. in the last game of the yeah. season. Sign yeah, him right now. That, that's you a little much. Year, that's a little much. <laughs> But um, I got a question. I, hold on, I we got some more stats from okay. from the from the audience. I want to read their stats We're, off here. Roger, oh, Roger, thanks for joining us. Twenty seven touchdowns, twelve interceptions, five rushing touchdowns. And we're good, he says. I think those are pretty some pretty darn. I good mean, stats those, well. those are great for yeah, a first. Year 20, Twenty-five passing, three rushing touchdowns to thirteen interceptions, thirty-one hundred passing yeah. yards. Says Yan. I'd sign that guy to a long-term deal with those. Gus Bus thirty yeah. touchdowns total, four thousand yards total, Ooh. and less than seventeen turnovers total. Yeah, okay. that's a pretty pretty good yeah. year again. Again, yeah. this is all coming for a second, you know, a second you know year guy who's a first-year starter. Alcatone, 4,000 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, seven. Says, frame it. We're going to come yeah. back to this one. We'll make sure that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that one if that's how it is. Hey, Scotty, good evening. Thanks for joining us here. We're talking about how successful, what would a successful season for Sam Howell look like? For me personally, I think you guys are kind of right in there. I think if he mm-hmm. throws for close to 3,500 yards, he hits the the mid to upper you know 20s as in total touchdowns. And he stays around 15 or under in total turnovers. That to me would be a successful <laughs> yeah. season. Right? Yeah, like we're right. talking you know, less than one a, a turnover a game and nearly two, you know, 
you know, one and a half touchdowns, I think we're would be pretty good. Yeah. What you got, Trev? Um, I know he's not Pat Mahomes, but nobody thought Pat Mahomes was going to be Pat Mahomes. Okay, so just based mm-hmm. off that alone, okay. Um, and Pat Mahomes since 2018 because he only played one game in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 18 he threw 50 touchdowns. <laughs> that was his first year starting. Yeah. He threw an 18 through 50 touchdowns. Yeah. 5,000 yards. Yeah. Okay. Second year was. Oh, well, first year is, is all you really need to know. That was his first And then year second year was 26. Third year was 38, 37. Then this past season was 41. Yeah. So I'm saying. And we were here saying 27, 28. Sam Howell could be this. I mean, we didn't know Pat Mahomes, too. And he made. Well, Pat Mahomes, but Pat Mahomes was also the 10th pick. Yeah, I think it's somewhere around there, eleventh pick, really? and they moved up to get him. Mm-hmm. You know what uh, I mean? They reached to get him, so we didn't even know that he was going to be like that. He was a reach when he got drafted. Andy Reid did. He had Alex Smith at the time, and Alex Smith just had his best season ever as a pro, and he still went and traded up to get Patrick Mahomes because he knew Patrick Mahomes was. Now he didn't know he was going to be the best quarterback in history, bro. If we throw for fifty touchdowns, sorry, was tenth overall by Nathan. If we throw for fifty touchdowns, you. Your family, Stoner's family, and my family, we're getting a 12 person house in Landover. Yeah. And we're going to be the best fans in the world if we throw 50 <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll be flying out for, for every game. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if we're, like if he gets tougher. north of 30, I'm just, yep, going to make every game there. Stoner, you had something after, before I started reading those stats. You remember what it was? Yep. Trev, so you said last week or at some point oh, up yeah. after yeah. BNME got hired. Yes. And we all agree here that Bienemy <laughs> is a home run hire. It's a yes. huge get for this franchise. Yes. He was the absolute best option out there, yes. right? Yes. And Washington got him. Huge. Yes. But Trev, you said mm-hmm. <laughs> why don't you say what you said about the Eric Bienemy hire? All right. I might have changed a little bit, but originally I did say <laughs> I'm not gonna cry, but originally I did say that. In my, I even tweeted in my entire Washington fandom, this is probably the best acquisition I've ever been a part of in my entire Washington Redskins mm. Commanders football team fandom. Uh, I've yeah. been a fan since I was little, but when I say fandom is when I started paying attention to the game and to the pl- players and the rosters and listening to beat reporters and stuff. So, yes, in my adult washington fandom this is the mm-hmm. best acquisition we've ever had and and i've ever witnessed okay Perfect. and and that's fair at this point because you can look back at all those other ones and see how they did yeah work. i don't i mean i was at the time. into play there sure yeah hindsight because this one you know may fall flat on its face just like the yeah. other ones did. but what about and i'm gonna throw i went and looked it up in your adult yeah. lifetime what, so what about when, when are we going back on we're going i'm going what, back to 2002 2002. I was 15. Yeah, I was so, I was 17 at the time. All right. All right. Uh Steve Spurrier. I remember Steve that. Bert Spurrier in. That was a I big was, deal. I, it was, yeah, but I was like, okay, he's college. It's I mean, cool. he won a championship. He had yeah. two Heisman. No, he only had the one Heisman trophy winner. He was a Heisman trophy winner. He coached Werfel, Danny Werfel to it. I mean, they were the Greatest thing. They went into Tokyo and beat somebody. The, the old, 40 to I, that's probably the thing that I remember most was going was going undefeated in the preseason and thinking yeah. this is gonna be this is gonna be the season. I don't think I was as high on him as a coach until the preseason. And I thought, okay, this is it. We're yeah. we're gonna make it. So 2004 was the Joe Gibbs 2.0. That was and probably the I, biggest and thing. I, yeah, I remember Sean Taylor in that time, too, but I don't remember Joe Gibbs being the coach. I was a yeah. junior in high school, so I was a fan, but not like I am today. So, okay. But you didn't know also, like with Sean Taylor, I didn't put Sean Taylor on the list because you didn't know Sean Taylor was going to be Sean Taylor. No, and I didn't know no, Joe no. Gibbs, what he did, really, because I was too young when he sure. won the chip with Doug. And okay. So like, um, What about the trade for Clinton Portis? No. I was not happy with that. I still have a Champ Bailey jersey. Champ Bailey. I, I was a big Champ guy, namely because my uh, Green is what my favorite. He's that's the, like the one jersey yeah. I'm really missing. 
Yeah. Is a good Redskin uh, Daryl Green jersey. He was he's my favorite Redskin of all time. And I thought Champ Bailey was going to just take that mantle. Like I thought, like yeah, we've got it set. And Champ Bailey, Hall of Fame, you know, cornerback that we gave away for a gr- good running back. Like, you know, Clint Bordis was good for us, but yeah. he wasn't Hall of Fame good. Uh, so I was still I was a little bitter about that one. And you're right, I didn't know Sean Taylor was going to be you know. That kind of act, yeah. You know, so that either. that was 2004 when they got Clinton Portis. You know, in training camp 2006, Clinton Portis ran a 4.26. I'm just I didn't I had no idea he was. Oh, not yeah, Clinton Portis was good. 4.26. Jeez. Like um. All right. What about when they traded for McNabb? Oh, oh. God, I hated that. I, I was hyped, but I wasn't. I wasn't oh, like I was the best. I was like, yo, we about to we about to win some games. All right, what about signing uh, Shanahan, Super Bowl-winning coach, two-time Super Bowl-winning coach, Mike Shanahan? We didn't have the roster. I thought that he could do anything successful. I know, but, I mean, still, you're bringing in a winner. Yeah, well, so that was the thing, right, where – and I don't think I saw him as a winner. I thought that there was potential there, and it was like, okay, this is a big-name coach, but it still felt kind of like a Dan Snyder thing to do. Right. And it was also you got to remember he he left Denver in a very sour way, mm-hmm. like it was yeah, true. It, you know, it's kind of like Sean Payton right now, right? Like Sean Payton now in Denver, mm-hmm. and but there was kind of like a not great feelings with that with the New Orleans, where it was just like, is Sean Payton going to be you know Super Bowl winning coach? And you got to think that Shanahan. This is the other kind of knock to the Shanahan hire. He's yes, Super Bowl winning coach. Those were very early on in his career, and then he proceeded mm. not to do anything without a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, and you know, okay, like he was winning, but it was kind of like it was the reverse of of Andy Reid, right? Andy Reid was successful, couldn't win a Super Bowl, then all of a sudden now starts winning Super Bowls. Shanahan was successful and then never could win a Super Bowl, but had kind of good good offensive teams, and of course the the running backs were always good with him. And, and this is another one that I think trumps uh, the B enemy. I think Joe Gibbs 2.0 was the that, best. That was, again, like I said, that was when we were talking about it off channel. That was the biggest one that I can think of. Like, no, yeah. I was excited about Gibbs 2.0. But here's the second one, I think. When they traded up to get RG3 in 2012, when they gave up all those draft picks and they just said, we're going all in for the Heisman Trophy winner who was electric and had the personality to match. I was, I was all in. I was all in on that. All in for week one. That was the next year, but, uh, but I'm just saying. I thought that was that was a big one. Than the enemy. That that was a big one. I, that's fair. And I think Ooh. that uh, there was definitely moments in that 2012 season that I just remember you and I, Stoner, were talking mm-hmm. like we thought we made it. Like we yep. like that run against Minnesota. Yep. Like oh, we, yeah. we 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 had made it as as we finally had the guy. It didn't turn out right, but you're right. That was a that was a huge, huge get. Yep. And and I got a couple other here. I don't I don't think they they measure up, but you know, hiring Jay Gruden, who was the hot coordinator at the time. Hmm. Caleb, um, Caleb brings up Josh Norman signing. A lot of people were excited oh, about yeah. that one. I didn't even uh, I didn't even do that. Santana one. Moss was named earlier uh by Woe. Yeah, Santana wasn't Santana yet, though. You know what I mean? I agree with that. Roger brings up some hurt him, feelings as well. Marty Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah. Uh I don't think he was as big of an acquisition yeah, as like a big, big like he was he, he good coach. I loved him. I didn't want to get rid of him. I can't believe you know we did fire him after the one season, especially an eight and eight season where they mm-hmm. came storming back to to kind of have that. Uh I do think this is a whole different team there. Uh big shout out here to Joe. <laughs> With a five dollar donation, hey, nice. giving us his uh, his passing stats, saying uh, twenty nine hundred to thirty one hundred passing yards, twenty eight passing touchdowns, four hundred to four hundred and fifty rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Balanced offense, running game will have a great hmm. season. Thanks, Joe, again for the donation. And if those are the stats that we get from some hmm. from Sam Howell. Yeah, we're absolutely making the playoffs with the with those kind of stats. The reason why this is the best one for me mm-hmm. is because he's the most decorated and seasoned acquisition out of the names that you just mentioned. Hmm. Outside of Shannon, who also uh, has and, yeah, and Joe Gibbs. And 
Joe Gibbs, who has three Super Bowl I mean, McNabb went to the SC Championship, had great seasons, but he didn't win a Super Bowl. Um, Champ Bailey, Clinton Portis, that is what it is. Um, who else did you say? The no, RG3. Spurrier. Only a Spurrier. RG3, we only based it off a Heisman season in college. We had no idea how to be in the pros, and we couldn't believe it. We mortgaged the whole draft to go get him. So it was like, he's still unproven. Um, but Bienemy, he's taken the, well, helped, been a part of four straight AFC championships, three Super Bowl trips, two of out of three he won. He's Pat Mahomes has thrown like for a bajillion yards and touchdowns. Yeah. He's gotten Pat Mahomes two Super Bowl or two MVPs. Like yeah. he's done a lot. And then for him to come to the most well, no, till nationally known dysfunctional organization, national dysfunctional organization in the NFL, he comes here mm-hmm. to be our OCN assistant head coach. Yeah. That's just, I mean, for me, it's like, I did tear up when we actually did it because I never thought he would come. And like, I'm just like, yo, we have a decorated offensive mm-hmm. yeah. NFL mind in our building now, like as a part of our staff. Yeah. During the time where we were talking about preseason, no one's going to want to come coach or play here because we have that dark cloud above our head. And we still do until the sale happens. But we got Eric Bieniemy, just gives us hope now, I think. So that's my me personally why I think that's the best. Which, by the way, Trev. You you talked about how he got a pay raise and everything. You do enough money out there, they'll come here. Dark cloud, it doesn't matter. You know, but they'll you think we here. said you think we said the same thing to Pat Shermer and Thomas Brown and Anthony Lynn that we'll give him the same title? No, really? No, not at all. No, they didn't offer. I don't that think it's anything. I don't think it's necessary for some of the other coaches that like especially Thomas Brown. You don't need to name him assistant. Yeah, head coach. We it's going to be his first. Him. Oh yeah, well, there's and and well, he got an OC uh, job too. By the way, he did. He did. And That's here's the, I kind of pointed out, and I know several other were on this track of wanting an young offensive coordinator, kind of one of those young and upcoming guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm by no means disappointed that we've landed Eric Bieniemy. It didn't quite, <laughs> you know, wasn't quite the target i had in mind but that's yeah. largely because i didn't think eb was an option for us i really didn't right i didn't either. think that it was gonna you know play out this way yeah. but it really seemed you know it. after it, you look at it all the last week or so eb looks like he had targeted washington as this is the one this is the team i want to go to <laughs> so and it kind of just kind of fell that way with like you know baltimore signing theirs and everything so i have so one more that i was I was really hyped for yeah. when it happened, and it absolutely blew up. But when they signed Scott McLuhan to be the GM, oh, bro, you remember I, that? I Scott, too. I was so and Scott hyped. we trust. He was, he yeah. Was well, yeah, and Scott we trust. He was the player's GM. Like, he knew who to bring in, who to go after. Yeah. People I still defended him well huge. after, you know, thinking that Bruce Allen was, was trash and that might still be yeah, true. But I mean, um, it was, it was definitely uh, hey, an interesting tenure. And do you remember when I was doing all this research and I totally forgot this, who the offensive coordinator was before Scott Turner? For um, Jake Newton's last year. Um, uh, come on. He's come one on. of the big three that they always point out or you know, Vett, no, Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd kind of forgotten that. How did you forget that? It mentioned it all the time. I know, but Kevin I just O'Connell, Sean McVay, yeah. Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel's all Some former slowick guy. He just got uh, a job know. too. That used to be here. Yeah, who did? Some slowick guy for Detroit. Oh yeah, slowick. Yeah, yeah. Ben slowick yeah. I think yeah. he's just a he's just a special. Scott Turner went to Vegas. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't get they didn't get. Nah. You know, big job. I'm not mad about KOC. He has he's been playing with Kirk Cousins for a while, so he's used to that failure all the time anyway. So I'm not really worried about that at well, all. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how EB plays out. Gregory was in here earlier. I don't know if he, Greg's still watching, uh, but he did preach some patience, and that's fair. A lot of games to be played. We're mm-hmm. very excited right now. We need to see how this goes. This could much like some of those other uh, ones that we mentioned and a couple people teasing in with the Deion Sanders and the Albert Hainsworth not play out. <laughs> but I think right now there's a lot of optimism and we'll be getting to Hey Scotty's question here on Hard Knocks in the cool down because two of these people on this uh, particular group of uh, people would like 
that to happen. <laughs> One of us, not so much. That and pain the man coming up in the cool down. The cool down is brought to you by Manscaped. Ever since my Nathan started using their products, I can't cool down. Fellas, trust me, go to Manscaped right now and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code REF. Your ladies will appreciate you. Now back to Trev, Stoner, and my Manscaped man, Nathan. <laughs> 